This is Hear Me Now, the preaching podcast. I'm Dr. John Nixon, Sr., back with you again. Today I'm starting a series on a topic that is very important to preachers, though sometimes a challenge, preaching Christ in the doctrine. In my years as a pastor, later as a theology professor, I discovered there's a real challenge we have as preachers in presenting Bible doctrine in a way that is centered in Christ. That is to say, the doctrine explained through Christ, not apart from him. Now, the common mode of doctrinal preaching is to relay Bible facts so as to inform people, educate them, or to clarify for believers who know or perhaps don't know well enough what the Bible teaches. It's an information-based approach to the sermon. The doctrine is information. Now, don't get me wrong. It's important for believers to have a correct understanding of Bible teaching because there's so much false or mistaken theology circulating through the Christian church today. It seems like the Internet has caused it to even proliferate. But Jesus said to his followers, teach them to observe all things, whatever I have commanded you. Part of the Gospel Commission, Matthew 28. So we have, we have a command from our Lord to teach Bible doctrine, everything he's commanded us. And yet we see in the first century church, right away, when Christianity was just starting, false teachers were already infiltrating the church, distorting the teachings of Christ, coming up with other things and leading people astray. In fact, much of the New Testament epistles, the letters written by the apostles, center on correcting false teachings that had come into the church so God's people would not be deceived. Sometimes the apostles even got exercised, angry about it, calling out the false teachers, calling them names. Paul called Hymenaeus and Alexander by name in 1 Timothy. He said he'd hand them over to Satan, exercised, angry about false teachings in the church. Another place, writing to the Galatians, Galatians 5, Paul wrote this, I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. New International Version says, emasculate themselves. That's some strong language. <laughs> Jesus started warning believers, even before he, while he was on the earth, to watch out for false prophets who come, he said, who come as wolves in sheep's clothing. Matthew 7. No, no. He says, ferocious wolves in sheep's clothing. That's the thing about false doctrine. Whatever, whether the purveyor of it is a deceiver or whether the purveyor of it is somebody who himself or herself is honestly deceived. A good heart, but just wrong. Whether Either way, all false doctrine in some way diminishes Jesus Christ. It takes the focus away from him and puts it on something else. Or, or it minimizes him to the point that he seems unnecessary. Or worse yet, it directly opposes him and his place as Redeemer and Lord of our lives. All false doctrine wars against Christ. 
always the enemy's goal, isn't it? To keep Jesus out of sight. Push him aside. Make him small. And if that's the goal of false doctrine, it's all the more reason for us to magnify Christ in the way we preach the doctrine. To counter that. To show through the doctrine that Jesus Christ is Lord. Not secondary. Not on the side and not unimportant. We're to lift him up whenever we preach his word, no matter what our subject matter is, even if it's doctrinal preaching. It's a denial of the doctrine if we preach the doctrine without the gospel. It's not the gospel without the doctrine, the doctrine without the gospel. The happy truth is this. We don't have to choose between the two. They go hand in hand in the Bible. We just need to find out how. How do we find Christ in the doctrine, not just that, but also teach the doctrine through him. So in receiving the doctrine, the, the listener also receives Christ and comes to understand that to receive the doctrine, they must also receive Christ. The doctrine without Christ cannot save. They must come to understand that in the way we preach the, uh, preach the doctrine. Years ago when I was pastoring, uh, one of the retired ministers came to me after church. He told me a story. The story reveals something about how, how led away from Christ he was in his preaching from the time he came out of school. He told me the story. He said when he and his friends graduated theology school, they were filled with evangelistic fervor. They were going to just tear up the world with the, with the gospel. But they had a certain view. They said to each other, look, people already know about Christ and the cross. Let's focus on teaching them the Bible truths that they don't know. So they focused their evangelism on doctrinal preaching, particularly doctrinal preaching, doctrine that weren't commonly known among Christians. There were three men attending their meetings every night, sitting in the front row. They would come with their notebooks and take notes, sit on the edge of their seats, enthusiastic listeners, never missed a night. The pastors were already sizing them up for baptismal robes. They knew, knew they were going to baptize these men. Then something happened. Uncharacteristically, the men started missing meetings, all three of them together. They were gone for a week, disappeared. Then suddenly, when a week was up, they reappeared, right back in their front row seats with their notebooks. Well, the pastors had to know. One of them asked them, we missed you last week. What happened? Oh, 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 they said, we've been enjoying the meetings, learning so much about the Bible from you. But then we heard the Salvation Army was having some revival meetings across town. We went to hear, we went to them to hear about Jesus. We came back here to you to hear about the teachings of the Bible. The pastor and his friends were under a misapprehension. People who came to their meetings had to go to somebody else to hear about Jesus. Can you imagine that? They had this false idea that you have to preach one or the other, either the doctrine or Christ. Some way they got that impression. They believed in the false dichotomy. We must not. It should never be said of us that people had to go someplace else to hear about Christ. Christ should be the theme of all of our preaching, whether or not it's doctrinal preaching. Many preachers have been trained to think that the two are separate. I've even heard preachers say that the gospel is milk while the doctrine is meat. All this touchy-feely stuff they say about love and grace. When are you going to get to the meat of the word? 
touchy-feely. Emotional stuff, they say. Love and grace, that's good. But when you get to the meat, they, they meant doctrinal meat. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever said that? Think about it. The Bible says we're saved by grace. Yet somehow, in their understanding, there are other things more important than grace. Grace is just milk. There are other things more important that are actually meat. Where does that thinking come from? Let me read something to you about grace. This is from a writer, Ellen White. In her book, Selected Messages, book one, page 366, she says this. Without the grace of Christ, the sinner is in a hopeless condition. Nothing can be done for him. I get this part. It is through the impartation of the grace of Christ that sin is discerned in its hateful nature and finally driven from the soul temple. I want to point out two things from this commentary. First, it says that it is grace that reveals sin in its true nature. That is the sinfulness of sin. That's important because sometimes sin is lost on us because sin has a dulling effect on the conscience. So we lose the sense of how sinful sin is. But grace comes in, the love of Christ and his grace opens our eyes to our true condition, condition, gives us conviction, and we realize, we realize how offensive our sin is to God. But not just that. If grace left us there, we'd be in trouble. Grace also then comes in and provides freedom from sin, deliverance. It is grace that drives sin out of the soul temple. In other words, that, that touchy-feely stuff, about the grace of God, is also a power that is unleashed when we believe. Grace drives sin out. Not works, not hopes, not intellect, but grace. Drives sin out of the soul. As important as doctrinal preaching is, nowhere in Scripture does it ever say that we are saved by doctrine. What good is the knowledge of Christ? What good is the teaching of Christ without the knowledge of Christ? We're saved by grace. Now, God's people need a clear understanding of biblical teachings. That's true. To protect us against false or mistaken doctrine. But when we preach the doctrine in a way that is not centered in Christ, it can actually be a hindrance to spiritual growth because people become informed without also becoming transformed. Stay with me now. Have you ever noticed that the church seems to attract a lot of mean people? You know, people who are straight, upright. You know, they live a certain way, they dress a certain way. They, they carry their Bible, they know the Bible well, perhaps. But they're mean to other people. You know why? Because they were brought in the church under superior teaching without being led to Christ. They got the doctrine. Now they know more than the average Christian but their learning did not bring them closer to Christ. They got the teaching without the Savior. It's a dangerous thing to think you're smarter than everybody else. And doctrine-focused preaching can often produce smart people who, who 1 Corinthians 8, 1 says, knowledge puffs up, love builds up. So we get puffed up people in the church who are not lovers of Jesus or lovers of other people. Why? Because we preach the doctrine without presenting Jesus Christ. Now, in Romans 1, 
the writer's addressing a particular group of people under particular circumstances, but it makes a statement. But I think it's relevant what we're talking about right now, too. Romans one twenty two says, although they claim to be wise, they became fools. It's talking about pushing aside the knowledge of God. So we become wise in some ways, but fools because we don't know God. We don't know Christ. That's the danger of doctrinal preaching that is not interpreted through the cross of Jesus Christ. Now let me talk for a minute about preaching the doctrine for Christ. Preaching the doctrine for the glory of Christ. It's accomplished by finding and exposing the spiritual meaning behind the biblical teaching. I want to spend a minute on this. Spiritual meaning always leads to Christ. When we find the spiritual meaning behind the biblical teaching, we're now leading people to Jesus Christ. As we increase their knowledge, we're also increasing their faith. The spiritual interpretation of the doctrine. That's what we're after. When we preach the word of God spiritually, we are always looking for the deeper significance behind the surface meaning. There's an obvious meaning on the surface that relates to our deeds, and this has its place. It's important. God is concerned with how I live my life morally, socially, behaviorally. God's concerned. He's concerned with whether I'm honest with my money. He's concerned with how I speak and how I walk. Those things concern him. But when we limit our application of the Bible to outward deeds, we are not preaching spiritually. That's how you create mean people who know and who do, but don't have Christ in their hearts. The spiritual is always focused on the principle behind the meeting, meaning that goes beneath the surface. For example, the motives behind the deeds, because even good deeds can be performed for selfish reasons, and then they become bad deeds because of the motive behind it. Talking about spiritual meaning. How about this? The thoughts that are hidden in the heart, but not revealed. The Bible gets at those too. Spiritual. Getting to the spiritual level now. Making people think about their thoughts before God. Spiritual meaning. The Bible's getting deep into a person there. How about this? The feelings that may not be expressed when we're around other people, but are in our heart. How about this one? The values and worldview that inform our thinking and acting, the things that we think matter, the things that are important to us, a worldview, what our affections are set on. Spiritual meaning focuses the attention on those things too. The principle behind the teaching that lies beneath the surface. That's always our goal in preaching, getting to the spiritual meaning. Let me give you an example. Let me give you a couple. When Jesus taught in Matthew 5, part of his Sermon on the Mount, that anger against a brother or sister is murder, he was exposing spiritual meaning. He was saying that the harm that we don't do to another person but wish we could do, what we would do if we knew we could get away with it, Jesus was saying, that's where the sin lies. That's where the murder lies. That's where the healing is needed. See what I'm saying? When I get to the spiritual meaning, that's when I know my true need. 
That's where the healing is needed. That I can't reach on my own. Spiritual meaning leads to Christ. When John takes this up in his epistle, 1 John 3.15, he says it this way. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. Not might commit murder. Is hatred is murder. That's how the Bible sees it. Let's look at the same thing from the positive side. Now, when you look at the, the story of the poor widow in the temple, we see another revelation of spiritual meaning, something deeper behind the obvious that Jesus saw. He called that woman's two pennies in the offering basket more than anybody else. He said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. Now, how can that be? How can two pennies be more than the great offerings the others poured into the buckets? Jesus said they were more. How can that be? He said, this is Luke 21, for they have given a tiny part out of their surplus, but she, being poor, has given everything she has. Don't you see? The amount was not what was important to Jesus. He already owns everything. We can't impress him with how much money we give. It was the heart out of which the offering came that mattered to him. The heart behind the deed. The woman gave from her heart. She gave all she had from her heart. That's what Christ valued. That's why he said she gave more than everybody else. That's spiritual meaning. Spiritual meaning is in the doctrine as well, but you have to go beneath the surface to find it. That's where Christ is revealed. That's where the listener is drawn to Christ. Because then they see themselves in a new way. They discover how much they need him more than they ever thought they did. Yes, it makes us uncomfortable at first. But that discomfort is good if it leads us to the cross. That's spiritual teaching, spiritual preaching. Now, let me give two examples of doctrine that we usually preach as information that can be preached as revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me give an example. Let me give two. The first is the doctrine of the Bible as God's word. Now, traditionally, we would talk about the history of the Bible, perhaps. Old Testament, New Testament, 66 books. We might talk about how back in past time that they tried to, some tried to uh, extinguish the Bible, burn them all, but it survived. God has kept the Bible, preserved it for all these thousands of years. We would talk about how the writers were inspired by the Holy Spirit. Second Timothy 3, all scripture was given by inspiration of God. We would explain how that inspiration in the Greek means God breathed. So the, so the Holy Spirit breathed on these writers as they wrote these words. We would talk about that. We'd go to Peter maybe and say, holy men of God spake as they were carried along by the Holy Ghost. All good teachings, all biblical, all relevant, all true, need to be taught. But there's more to be revealed in the doctrine of the Bible that's more directly connected to Jesus Christ. There's a revelation of Christ in that doctrine that culminates in him, and listen to this, shows him to be the ultimate meaning of the Bible doctrine. Christ, the ultimate, not the book, but the Christ. Let me show you three passages, three passages that come into this doctrine that can show the progression to Jesus Christ. 
Let's say we start with the word spoken. Back to creation. Psalm 33, 6 and 9 says, He spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The word spoken brings things into being, creation. Then we can say the next transition, the next phase is the word written. Right? God's word through the prophets. Isaiah says, if they speak not according to this word, there's no light in them, the word written. And then finally in John 1, John 1, 14, the word made flesh, Jesus Christ. The word spoken, the word written, the word made flesh. These verses reveal the Bible as part of a progression meant to reveal Jesus Christ as Savior of the world. The development of the word that culminates in Christ. Now, along the way, I can talk about the Bible and uh, the history of it and how many books, but that's not my point. My point is how the word of the Bible began as a spoken word, became a written word, and then ultimately became the word made flesh. When I teach it that way, now I'm leading people right to the doorstep of Christ. They understand now that to receive the Bible is to receive the Christ, because he's the theme, he's the reason for it in the first place. The word written reveals the word made flesh. That's a different approach to teaching the doctrine of the Bible. Let me do one more. How about health reform? Once again, we, we teach health reform. We go back to creation, right? We show the original diet, fruit, nut, grain. We come out of that now with the, what do we call it? The Eden diet, veganism. We say it's the healthiest way to live, and it is. Then we take them to Noah and the division between clean and unclean animals that distinguishes those that were safe to eat, those that were not. We bring in drinking and smoking. We talk about recreational judge, all important, all of them important. Recreational, recreational drugs, excuse me. But there's more in the health reform doctrine that leads directly to Christ. The Bible says whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. That's different from eating to look good or to be physically healthy. That's different. What does it mean to eat to the glory of God? Can you be vegan and not eat for God's glory? How about this one? What do you do with this when you preach health reform? Matthew 15, 11, Jesus said, It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of a mouth that defiles the person. Mark 7, 19 adds, In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. How does this passage fit into your doctrine of health reform? Or do you, or do you hope that nobody reads it and you can get away with it? Health reform is bigger than the physical body physical body is not the ultimate aim. There are thousands of people committed to good health. Eat right, exercise, get their sleep, discipline, care for their bodies who don't know Jesus at all. Whom to know is life eternal. To know good health and not know Jesus is not to be saved. He's the one to know whom to know is life eternal. So Romans 1 says, Romans 12, excuse me, present your bodies as living sacrifices, wholly acceptable to God. That's doctrinal preaching, doctrinal teaching that leads to Jesus Christ. Here's what I'm going to do. Next week, 
I'm going to, first of all, give us three or four pointers on how to preach the doctrine with Christ at the center. There's a way of approaching it that will lead us to Christ-centered doctrinal preaching. I'm going to share that next week. Then I'm actually going to write with you a doctrinal sermon using this, the five-step process that centers in and reveals Jesus Christ. I'm going to do that for a couple of weeks now. The next couple of weeks, next few weeks, I'm going to take doctrinal sermons. I'm going to show how to put them together in a Christ-centered way and then preach them to the glory of Jesus Christ. How does that sound? I think that'll be worth a while. I'm going to start that on next week. Well, that's enough for today. What do you think? I think it is. I hope that you will... Come on and join me next week. Tune in and help pray, help pray for me between now and then. I can be a blessing and a help to somebody. And of course, remember always, always preachers to keep humble and be faithful. <laughs>